there is nothing more valuable in your business that can produce more steady cash flow and give you the freedom to enjoy running your business than a membership program. And uh, you know, a membership program could provide that. You know, there's nothing better, I gotta tell you. So starting the beginning of the month and seeing all the merchant services emails come through where all the members are, you know, the merchant accounts, you know, before you even woke up on the first of the month, the, uh, you know, the system is already billed you know, a few hundred or, or a couple thousand memberships uh, when you got started in the morning. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to focus all about the membership economy. And today my guest is Robbie Baxter, who is the author of The Membership Economy. Find your super users, master the forever transaction, and build recurring revenue. Her clients have included startups and mid-sized venture-backed companies, as well as industry leaders like Netflix, Yahoo, Oracle, and eBay. And over the past 10 years, uh, Peninsula Strategies has advised nearly 100 organizations on growth strategies. So if you're looking for you know, any SaaS companies, any of the, the real, I mean, this is the cutting edge of the, the big venture capital-backed uh, membership uh, companies, and uh, it was a real pleasure having you on the program. Thank you, Robbie, for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So, uh, so what is, you know, I, I th- you know in your book, it's, it's a marvelous book. I certainly recommend everybody pick up a copy of The Membership Economy. If you've got a membership program, and of course, I've been doing memberships for, for more than 20 years now, and, uh, and it's certainly what I really enjoyed because your perspective is from the Netflixes of the world. But I think you go through a lot of sort of social trends and economic uh, trends that you see. Why is membership becoming so popular today as opposed to, you know, one-off transactions? Uh, well, you know, it's, it's interesting, Robert. Mem- membership has always been attractive to organizations. But what, you know, and, and you see that with everything from, you know, Charles Dickens selling his books with the subscription model to uh, gym memberships, trade guilds, uh, country clubs, uh, book of the month clubs. It's, it's always been something that's of interest because of that recurring revenue. But historically, it's been limited um, by what I call, you know, the, the infrastructure that enables trusted relationships. Mm-hmm. And you can't have a relationship if you don't trust the other side. And historically, you actually need to know the person on the other side in order to trust them. Technology is enabling us to extend that infrastructure um, through things like the declining, uh, the declining costs uh, to store and serve content, which I know that your, your association's members know a lot about. Um, the ability for uh, members or, or users to generate their own content um, and share that with their peers, the ability for peers to have conversations with one another and to give feedback to the organization, um, the always-on technology, the ability to uh, analyze big data, um, to move beyond just understanding a customer by their demographics and, and psychographics to actually understanding their behavior in using your product. Um, mm-hmm. All of those changes have given us as entrepreneurs new tools um, to create new kinds of models for how we do business with our customers. No, and I think it's fascinating that, um, that you know, your frame of reference isn't 
the 80s and the creation of the credit card, but it's Charles Dickens and selling his (laughs) – we read these books and we see them as a book, but um, but you know, in, in their day, they were sold on a subscription, and you, you know, each he would write a chapter, and then you know that you bought a, a subscription similar to like you would sit down and watch different episodes of a TV. You would receive yeah, the book in chapters as a membership, uh, and uh, so it, you know, it's it's fascinating to think that. Um, that this stuff, we're, we're, you know, while while membership has grown uh, substantially be, uh, over the last several years and really exploded as a business concept, it's not even mm-hmm. slightly new. Right, not new at all. Why why is it valuable to the company to have a membership relationship rather than a customer? Yeah. Okay. So so that's. You know that's a that's a nice softball question that I love. Um, <laughs> like I, know, I know you know the answer to this just as well as I do. Um, but but you know for the for the purpose of setting up the conversation, you know we all as as entrepreneurs we want predictable cash flow, um, and mm-hmm. we want uh, long term relationships. Um, you know anybody that's even reasonably sophisticated in how they analyze their business is thinking about lifetime customer value is being more important than the transactions because that's what a customer's worth. That tells us how much to spend to acquire them. Um, if you um, know that your customer is going to stay for a long time, you can afford to invest more in the acquisition. Um, also, you know, so many organizations invest in acquisition um, and then they don't retain the customer either because the product's mm-hmm. not good or because they don't have enough product or enough offerings or enough interest to retain them which means they're on this constant treadmill of acquisition, um, you know, like I've heard people talk about, you know, the hamster wheel, like you're just running and you have to keep coming up with new products, you have to keep finding new customers. And, you know, if you can get to know one set of customers and continue to serve their evolving needs because you know them and you can observe their behavior, um, you know, your your acquisition costs go way down and your profitability goes up. Mm-hmm. That's pretty awesome. Now, have you seen any comparisons between companies that um, that have a membership model, or maybe the the value of a member to a company versus a, a value of a non-member, and how much the I know there's an Amazon study, but I didn't know if you had seen any examples in the companies that you worked with that really illustrate how much more a member spends than a non-member. Yeah, well, so I haven't seen that study. I'd love to see it. But what I what I do mm. know is that the valuation of these companies is, you know, anywhere mm. from 5 to 10, 10x a similar-sized business that is relying on transactions. So from the perspective Amazing. of the investment community, um, these businesses are, are much more um, valuable. In terms of the value of a member, and, you know, people use that term differently, but somebody who has a subscription – you already have, um, you know, greater profitability and probably greater revenue than somebody who's transactional and, you know, every decision is a new decision. But layering on other elements of membership um, can actually increase the stickiness and loyalty uh, that, you, that you have with your members. So, for example, if I have a newspaper and people subscribe to it, that's great. The content that they get in the newspaper justifies them, you know, making a forever transaction with me and saying, I'm going to subscribe to your newspaper, Robbie, um, and I'll get it mm-hmm. every day delivered to my house. 
But if I can connect them with other like-minded people who um, get that newspaper for the same kinds of reasons, in other words, uh, they want to stay current on what's going on in the world or what's going on in their neighborhood, or they want to know about the literature and art scene, you know, get book recommendations, or they just want to look smart at work about business. If they can find other people like that, um, and that becomes part of the value of being a member, that increases their value. Um, and the relationships, of course, make it hard for someone to leave. You can't mm-hmm. replicate the relationships. So and, know, uh, there's a lot, yeah. And almost as an aside, I guess there's a lot, there was a lot there that I'd, I'd like to touch yeah. on. But <laughs> the one, one of the things that I, um, that I loved in the book, and this is a little inside baseball, I loved the term forever transaction. Did you yeah. come up with that? Did you swipe it yeah. from somebody else? You, you came up no. with that? No, I'm proud uh, to say that's, that's all me. Um, it's brilliant it's, because, see, now you're the forever transaction person. And, and yeah. uh, you know, and, and I, I, love, I was like, ah, oh, I wish I had thought of that. That was uh, very, very smart because you're not you – know, why don't you – just for the or, clarification, since uh, some, of the, some folks are the first time they've met you, the, what's what's the difference between a normal transaction and a forever transaction? Yeah, so in a normal transaction, that's the finish line, right? So so mm-hmm. you see, like anybody that's taken a marketing class, you know that you know you you have awareness, and then you have trial, and then you convert them into you know hopefully into p- being a paid customer, and then you're done. That's the end of the mm-hmm. of the funnel. Um, that transaction in the, in the membership economy, that transaction is the starting line um, because. Mm-hmm. Your, your customer, not only are they conducting that transaction, but they're hopefully saying, I never want to have to make another decision in this area again. So mm-hmm. if, if, you're the, if you're the organization that is going to teach me, um, you know, that's going to that's teach me how to be a successful consultant, I'm in. I'm in. Send me mm-hmm. your stuff, you know. <laughs> charge my credit course- card. And, yeah, and of course, and, when I want to find the person who's going to help me create a business based on creating forever transactions, then yeah. Rodney Baxter is my person. Right, and and what what happens with with their with, with with people that come and work with me is they might come in the first time and say, "Okay, I'm here because um, we're moving. You know, we're moving from a transaction. You know, we sell products. We sell you know DVDs or." you know, content chunks and we want to have a subscription. So I would help them transition their model that way. Um, nice. But then they might say, okay, now we want to optimize for acquisition because um, we're, you know, our model's working really well. People are staying for, you know, 36, 48 months. Um, we're really happy with that, but now we need to bring in new people. How do we do that? Or, you know, we're finding that retention is not very good because um, people get to a certain point and they say, gosh, Robbie, you know, gosh, I've learned all I need to learn about how to, how to uh, draw cartoons or, or, you know, how to, um, how to be a good photographer. So I'm done, you know, and we try to figure out what are, how do we continue to build that relationship or is this the right time to let someone go? So what happens is because I'm getting to know these customers, these members in my community, I can keep offering new things to them because I really mm-hmm. understand where their challenges are and I can really understand who the people are that are on the cutting edge of what we're doing. So if you take an example, let's say, of somebody, let's say somebody in in your community um, teaches how to draw cartoons. 
right? Mm-hmm. So maybe the vast majority of people just want to be able to draw funny pictures for their kids or, you know, as a hobby, but there's a small group of people that are actually trying to become cartoon artists, right? Mm-hmm. And they're the ones that are pushing the envelope, and they're saying, you know, how do I use these uh, software packages, and how do I get paid for this, and how do I um, make a living at this, and how do I get into art galleries or whatever. This is not my space, so I'm making mm-hmm. stuff up. Um, <laughs> You're doing but, good. But by, but by, follow, by listening and saying, oh, so I should offer a course for people that want to make money from this. That's a new course. It wasn't what I was thinking of because I was just teaching them how to draw. But now I'm seeing, oh, they, they're looking for how to have a business or they're looking for how to be curated or they're looking for how to teach what they've learned to their own students. And so because you have this membership model and you're really getting to know your customers, you, you have this ability to create new content for them. At the same time, you have an obligation, which justifies the forever transaction, which is that your customer you know, you didn't ask this, but I, I'm betting it's the next question, which is why does a customer want a membership? And the answer is they want <laughs> you to solve their problems forever. Mm-hmm. They, they, want the, they want the solution. Um, and if you can provide that, if you can't provide that, they're going to feel cheated and angry. Um, but if you can provide that, you have lifetime loyalty. What, um, and, I, and, and I appreciate that. And I, um, one of the, one, one of the things you had said before is that the, the companies that have membership, that have this recurring revenue model, are valued by buyers at three to five times what a company that has these, these one, you know, a transaction model. And that is unbelievable because you can build the same company. You could build a, a, you know, a, a 10 or a $20 million or a $100 million company but if the bulk of the revenue is based on recurring revenue, it's worth five times or three to five times what another company is. So the payoff for the owner is tremendous. But there's one thing, there's one thing I wanted to really get into in particular, and this is something that I saw in, in your stuff that I'd, I'd never seen in the business, um, in business books around membership and around monthly continuity before, and that's the culture of the organization. And it doesn't surprise me that you actually went uh, with, to an association example here, but can you talk about the different culture of an organization that's selling uh, memberships versus a transaction organization? Yeah, absolutely. So every part of the organization is different. Um, it starts with leadership. You have to have a membership mindset. Um, which is really about a focus on the long-term happiness of your customer as opposed to short-term revenue, which can be really hard if you're if you're a public company and you're on a quarterly um, you mm-hmm. know quarterly announcement uh, cycle, or even if you're a venture-backed company and uh, and your 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 investors and and board members want you know want you to hit hit certain milestones, you have to educate your your um, owners. Um, so that's that's one one big thing. So the metrics change because the transaction isn't as important as retention. Um, and a lot of companies say we value retention, but then you look at how people are compensated, and they're compensated on acquisition. Mm-hmm. So well, that's, and that's, or how yeah. the how the members are treated. Yeah, absolutely. Um, engagement, uh, member satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to members expect to have a voice. I mean, um, anonymous customers. If I go buy a candy bar. You know, Hershey's does not expect to hear from me. 
right? Mm-hmm. And I don't expect Hershey's to listen to me. Like, I, it is a completely anonymous transaction. Um, mm-hmm. But if I have a subscription to the Chocolate Garage, which is in our town here, where you can buy chocolate, you know, every month, and they you go to their place and blah blah blah, and you pay, you're committed for the year, and it's expensive. Um, if I don't like the selection, they're going to hear about it. And if I think that they should be doing something differently, they're going to hear about it. And I expect them to respond. So they need to have, um, you know, customer success um, processes in place uh, to, to manage all of that feedback. And, um, you know, whether they, whether they take my advice or not, I need to know what they're doing and I need to get a response. Um, so all of this, I, I mean, yeah. I also thought the mission-based side that you talked about was was also interesting. How it's it's yeah yeah we got we got to run a company we got to make it grow, but the the, the mission is valued uh, very highly by a membership by a group that's going to create a a loyal following. I call it a vibrant tribe of of members that are engaged and and grow and help and growing the organization. Um, yeah. In your book, you, you list AARP as an example and talk about how your interaction with them, um, you know, how, how did they kind of, what was their emphasis on mission? Yeah, well, so, so ARP's mission is to improve the quality of life for Americans over 50. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you can imagine, that's a huge mission, and there's a lot of different ways you can improve someone's quality of life, everything from improving their health, to improving their financial situation, to improving their relationships, to helping them um, enjoy activities, giving them, you know, I mean, there's so many ways to do it. Um, And they do a lot of them. They're a big organization. But what I love about them is that they're willing to drop things, drop offerings that are not relevant to their members anymore and add new ones so that they stay relevant. So, you know, one big change that we've seen with um, the attitudes towards aging is that, you know, 30, 40 years ago, people wanted to retire at 65. They wanted to be done with work. They like to be called retired. They said they were retired. Today, people don't really retire, right? People, um, you know, either because they have to or because they really enjoy it, they want to keep doing other other kinds of work. Um, and we live a lot longer. And, um, you know, people kind of bristle to be called retirees or uh, mature adults or, you know, any of those kinds of euphemisms, Um and so, so what ARP does is changing. And in fact, they don't even, you know, use AARP so much anymore as, you know, the ARP, which kind of takes the emphasis away from what the letters stand for. That's fascinating. So, um, one of the one of the things that um, that you 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 really dedicate a lot of time into, which is in something in, in the information marketing world, we're so focused on creating new products and selling that. Very often, you know, um, what we're, when we get around to, you know, fulfilling on our commitments, it's really more about teaching and giving information and provide, you know, giving them, you know, va- quote, value, where it, you really took a lot of time, uh, and in working with your clients, you spent a lot of time on onboarding new members. What are some of the, you know, in, in your clients and in your work, what are some of the processes and things that, folks should think about when they are thinking, okay, you know, now I'm, I'm spending all this time and money getting a new member. How do I build a relationship so that I can keep them long-term? Yeah. So I, I think that um, onboarding is one of the most overlooked um, areas for building um, 
retention and engagement uh, and the opportunity actually to deepen the relationship with customers. Um, it's, you know, it's your welcome mat and um, it's your, your, your tour of the gym. Um, and what, what, I, what I would say, you know, what, what the best companies do is, is they do three things. One of them is they reinforce the wiseness of your decision, the wisdom, not wiseness, um, the wisdom of English is my first language. Um, the, the wisdom of your your decision. So it's like when you go into a restaurant and uh, you say, oh, I'll have the salmon, and the waiter says, oh, that is an excellent choice, um, which makes you feel good about what you did. Um, when you buy something, you almost immediately, like let's say you're buying a course um, for something that you want to learn, you're, you're aspirational, but even as you're buying it, you're thinking, am I a, am I a dope? Am, am I going to fail again? Um, am I wasting my money? But um, if they say right away, you know, congratulations, you're taking the first step toward having the career of your dream. Um, we're going to help you. You know, you're already better than 99% of people who don't even take one step. Then you, it reinforces this good decision. The second thing that you want to do with your onboarding process um, is give them some value right away. Um, so like Pandora does it, you only have to pick one song, um, and Pandora starts uh, streaming a radio station to you. Um, mm-hmm. if you. If you pick more songs, um, this is the third thing that you want to do in your onboarding experience. They say, look, and our best customers, the ones that are happiest with our membership, um, actually go beyond picking just one song. And if you continue to give thumbs up or thumbs down on each song that we play for you and you add the names of other songs and singers that you like or performers that you like, we can give you your dream radio station that plays you know, great songs both for recognition of old favorites and discovery of new favorites. So, so those are really the three parts of, of onboarding. It's the reinforcing the decision that's been made. It's providing value immediately. And it's, um, it's uh, showing them how your best customers get the most value um, from what they've already paid for. So, like, I have an American Express account. I'm sure a lot of people on the call do. Um, there's six, seven, eight, nine different um, benefits beyond just using it as a credit card, right? You get uh, free admission into certain um, airport lounges. You get global entry. You get, uh, if you buy a first-class ticket, you get a first-class ticket for free. So it's basically half-price first-class. So, you know, they tell you that when you call to order it. They want to make sure, and they actually try to sign you up for a lot of those benefits that you've already basically paid for so that you get the most value, um, a lot of times people sign up for something, and I know we've all experienced this, where somebody pays for your service, and then they don't read the materials, or they don't call in for the free webinar that comes with the program, or they don't call with their questions, and you're thinking, why do you spend all the money if you're not going to use it properly? Um, and if they don't use it properly, they're likely to cancel. They're not likely to tell their friends about it. So it's really worth your while to make sure that people are getting the most value for what they're paying for well and and I can tell you that's one of one of our you know folks biggest pet peeves are are people who who join and then quit three months later and say, "Oh, this is stinks, it's not for me, but they've done nothing to right. to, uh, to, to, to 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 engage to get to, to to do anything. I loved your example about Pandora uh rewarding. Uh, engagement and every engagement comes with a little reward. Um, you get a little payoff for for doing something, uh, whether it's a thumbs up, thumbs down, or uh, or putting in another artist name. With 
with mm-hmm. with that you know like with with an American Express or with a you know how what have you seen your clients do that really works that helps members really engage and get value to because I, I can tell you well, I don't know about you Robbie but I certainly have bought more diet programs than I've ever actually done you know you, you get it and then you and then you kind of maybe read a little bit about it and then oh man I'm gonna have to stop going to barbecue or I'm gonna have to stop doing this or I have to change my habits or I, I like this one restaurant I don't want to give up that food or I don't want to you know and I go ah forget it and or I mean to I'll do it next week and then next week I've forgotten about it and I think a lot of that happens with it with our own members. They 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 got excited. They were gonna create a change in their life. They were gonna do something, and so they bought. And then, you know, a, a, you know, a couple of moments, and they set it aside. And then a couple of weeks, and they're off thinking about something else. And then a month or two later, it's oh yeah, what is this? I didn't, I didn't sign up for this. Um, what right. what have you seen with your clients that has that, that has really helped that and get them from sign up to engagement uh, as smoothly as possible. Yeah. Well, so your weight, your, your, your weight loss example is, is one of my favorite uh, examples. Um, I, I did weight watchers um, after, after I had my, my second child and I lost 50 pounds um, and I was fascinated by their model. Congratulations. Um, they do. Thank you. Well, I had a lot. I mean, I, um, I gained a lot of weight from uh, from that pregnancy, and um, uh, I can know, tell you, Robbie, I gained when my wife was pregnant with our first child. I gained more weight than she did, so I, I'm right with you. Uh, way to go! <laughs> That's very sympathetic <laughs> of you. Very kind. But <laughs> um, I interrupted your story. Excuse me. No, no. I mean, what's really interesting is that um, data shows that the number one way to lose weight is um, you know, eighty percent of weight loss is writing down what you eat. So um, everybody on the call, I've just told you the secret to losing weight. Just write it down. That is the most mm-hmm. proven way. You start writing it down and you say, oh, wow, I eat a lot more than I think mm-hmm. I do. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, and then if you reinforce that behavior, um, that's going to, that's, that's it. And so what, what Weight Watchers does is, number one, they focus on that. Um, they do a tremendous, they're probably the best onboarding um, company that I, that I know of, especially their physical Experience. You come into a, a place, um, you know, into a Weight Watchers store, um, storefront. They um, they welcome you. They congratulate you. Um, they give you. Um, they they weigh you in and they give you a goal. Ten percent of your current weight loss of your you know they say your your first goal is to hit ten percent and we'll have a celebration when you get there. Um, they give you some materials and they start to give you tools and they say. We know that you're not, you know, that, that the, what's going to happen is you're going to get discouraged, but keep coming back because if you keep coming back and you keep writing it down, you will lose weight. Um, and, um, and then they start to show you all the behaviors of the most successful people. And, in fact, they role model it because they have classes, right? You go and you listen and you can go to as many classes as you want every week and people explain what they did in certain situations. Um, like, you know, oh, you know, I went to my favorite barbecue place and – uh, everybody else was getting my favorite ribs, and boy, I didn't want to get a salad. And so then you ask at the next meeting, and they say, "Oh, you know, you could storyboard it and say, I know on Thursday I'm going to my favorite place, so I'm gonna um, save up my points for that, and I'm gonna have a big splurge.' Or I know I'm going there, so I'm gonna get 
I'm going to eat before I go so I'm not starving, and I'm just going to get one rib and a salad so I can enjoy it but not go overboard. Um, so anyway, you know, having those tools in place um, and knowing what the most successful people do and being aspirational and wanting to be like the leaders that are in the front of the room that are your success stories motivates people to do the right thing. And that's why I think that Weight Watchers has the, the, such a high um, success rate with weight loss um, is that they're, they're um, rewarding the behaviors that need to happen and they're really focused on engagement as being even more important than, than uh, sign-ups uh, or, or even results. It's, you know, we want people to stay engaged and keep coming back because that's how you lose weight. There are, there are so yeah. many very, very smart, subtle things there that, um, that are really brilliant that incremental goal, um, getting them from being a prospect to a customer to now having an incremental goal, is, it, it, cha- it changes the game. And, and mm-hmm. so with your, so like with the Pandora, it's like all you got to do is put in one artist. And so that's a little incremental goal. That's just one thing you got to do. Right. With, in, with Infusionsoft, you know, that's a very complicated onboard to get folks into a CRM. Well, they've got, you know, import your list, send an email, create one opt-in form with a follow-up sequence. And, and, and so when they get, you know, there's these, there's this, there's this goal, there's a definite thing that you're doing when you, that, that everybody can be focused on and that your onboarding can be laser specific, just do this. And, uh, and, and, and that I think was one of the big miracles of, of one of the big breakthroughs. If you, you know, I love membership sites, but one of the things that they do is they often have like a big library of stuff where, oh yeah, come on in, join, and it's you know it's monthly, and you get to you know participate in the library, like a library. I mean, how often do people go to the free library in their town? You know, they, they, how do we value libraries in our culture? We don't. That's where the homeless people live, and it's not library isn't helping them any. And what, right. what you need is an onboarding that gets them integrated, that gives them an incremental goal that starts them out with, this is the way we do things around here, and we want to create a transformation for you. And so this is the first step in creating that transformation. So I think that having that is, is just, just beautiful. So uh, I know uh, what, what I, when, in the – why don't we go through a little bit of like the free trial stuff? Yeah, I know um, that's yeah. really uh, important, and, and 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 I see it all over SaaS companies. How have have, have you seen the uh, free trial programs growing? Is that because it really seems to be popular? Even you know folks like Trello, folks like Pandora, really using free as a as a growth strategy to try to sell uh, and you know convert folks into paying. How have you seen that work out for your clients? Yeah, so it's, a, it's a good question, um, and I'm interested in hearing what, what's been happening with your association members as well, because um, I know you guys track this. I, I think about free as being one of many tools in your tool chest for your business model, and it doesn't work for everyone. Um, free is really, um, you know, it makes sense if, if it's doing something for your overall business model. There's freemium, which you mentioned, which is like what Pandora does, which is um, I get something, a subscription or a membership for free forever, no matter what I do. Um, and that is usually um, 
a light version of, of a product that can go deeper. It's like getting um, hamburger instead of filet mignon. It's delicious. You know, people love hamburger. You know, it, there's no reason to ever, like, you can, you can certainly survive without ever eating filet mignon, but there's a real reason that you might want filet mignon. Now, what, what a lot of people do Why would you want to survive all, without it? You'd never want to survive without it. But a lot of people, a lot of companies give hamburger, a taste of hamburger, hoping that the customer will buy filet mignon. And so you have to remember, if if it's a trial, a trial is supposed to be a delicious taste of what they're going to get if they pay for it, right? So, like, um, one of my very earliest employers was Mrs. Fields Cookies, and um, Debbie Fields started – um, her business of selling these delicious cookies, you know, people couldn't imagine why would I pay a dollar for a cookie? That's crazy. That's so much money. So she went out in front of her store and broke up her cookies in little pieces and gave people the trial. And it was literally a delicious bite. And they were like, oh, I understand now why I would pay a dollar for a cookie. This is not Chips Ahoy. Um, so to take that to, you know, what, what we're doing is, as entrepreneurs with membership businesses, if you're using free because people don't understand what you're offering, um, you should give them a delicious small bite, and they'll say, "Oh, I get what you're what you're giving. Now I'm going to pay for it." But if they already understand what you're offering, there's no point in giving them free tastes, right? Um, once nice. you have one taste of Mrs. Fields cookies, you should not have more tastes. Either you know or you don't know, <laughs> and. Um, you know, you certainly don't need a free taste of a commodity or something that's really clearly expressed, which a lot of people do. They give a free taste or they give a bigger taste than they need. They give you the whole cookie, and then you're like, well, that was delicious. I don't need a paid cookie. Um, or people, you know, the risk that you have with giving a free trial is that people who aren't really interested say, oh, it's free. What, what do you have over there that's free? I'll have that, even if it's something they'd never buy. So those are the risks of a free trial is that you're giving away something where people are like, oh, yeah, I'll use your free music for two weeks because I'm on vacation and I'll enjoy it, but I don't really need a free music thing. Um, so it's, it's kind of tricky. Now, freemium works um, three situations. One of them is it can sometimes be a way of giving somebody a trial and a chance to get hooked. Um, and then they buy the full price, which is, you know, either greater volume or more features or, um, a higher level of service. Um, and so they're kind of hooked by, by, you know, and freemium gives the company an opportunity to make a habit for the consumer. Um, sometimes freemium works um, because there's a network effect, like LinkedIn has that. Um, each new person that joins makes it more valuable for the people who are paying. And um, a third reason is that um, your freemium members are actually a source of new members. They're actually serving as a marketing channel. So that's like what you have with SurveyMonkey, where I send out a survey to 10 people. I might not have paid for it, but you're one of the people that I send the survey to, and you say, oh, I need this for my business. I'm going to pay for it. So Robbie becomes a marketing channel for SurveyMonkey, and that justifies giving Robbie something for free. I think that is the, the, the fascinating uh, – the, 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 the places you like – because you look at, because in, in our environment, with a free trial offers, what we're finding is that you end up with more members after four or five months with a paid offer than you do with a free trial offer, and you skip this whole surge of people, what, what I call the grab and dashers, where they're just coming in, 
getting whatever they want and then and then leaving and 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 really not creating any value taking a whole lot of uh, time with customer service you can't necessarily follow up with your true customers as well as you'd like because you got all these grabbing dashers you got to contend with at the same time whereas by by going to a paid offer you end up with more members. They're more valuable throughout the first five months because they're paying the whole time. And customer service-wise, you can follow up with the people who are paying and uh, and and value what you are delivering. But then I look right. at Slack and Trello and Dropbox and and see, man, there's there's something else there that is happening that isn't happening. Uh, and I think that you know, your list really goes into explain that that you know, that these are yeah. that there is a network effect. These guys are are the the, the free users are actually using it or, or marketing it. Um, you know, I know that I've I've introduced a whole lot of people to Slack because it's Slack is more useful to me when I have all my clients on it than it is yes. when they're not. And so you know I you know, oh it's free just sign up. Well, you know, a fair number of those, you know, as soon as we want to do an integration here or there, they're now paid Slack uh, account. So, um, so yeah, I could, uh, that's, that's really brilliant. I liked how you summarized that. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, and what you're talking about, yeah, so it's, you know, it, it, it makes sense. I mean, the summary on free is that every, every entrepreneur should be thinking about, can I use free to get people to understand what I'm offering, um, to get them hooked, to build a network effect, or to um, to create new marketing channels and build awareness. Um, and if the answer to all of those is no, then don't offer anything for free. And if the answer to one of those is yes, then consider building it into your model. Nice, nice. And and what I also liked about it, what in, in your book, uh, the marketing economy. You know, find your super users and master the forever transaction is that you also break down a lot of different categories of subscriptions, you know, digital subscriptions, online communities, loyalty communities, traditional membership economy companies, small businesses and consultancies, nonprofits, and, and show how each of them are unique, but yet have some fundamentals. I thought that that was an interesting categorization. Any any insights in particular that um, that you see that is really helpful for folks by being able to kind of see the different cat you know you know this there's a I guess this is a little niche of membership, but then there's what seven seven or six niches within membership. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually you know it's funny. I have a seventh now, um, which is um, oh. product product memberships, uh, the physical membership economy. So that's mm-hmm. like, um, you know, uh, when you do Amazon's 10% off, subscribe and save, mm-hmm. like you can subscribe to toothpaste or dog food or, or Promax bars or whatever ah. you like that you consume regularly or Dollar Shave Club or um, all of the many subscription boxes that are out there now, which a lot of birch entrepreneurs box. are getting into. Yeah, totally. My wife, likes the, my, my wife yeah. loves her birch box. Yeah, pop sugar. Um, trunk club. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's dozens and dozens of them now. Well, I, um, and I gotta have my grays every week. <laughs> uh, are, um, have, you, have you done grays yet? No. You're the, the oh my gosh! Box, the oh, I'm gonna change your life. Yeah, they, 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 <laughs> like every week they send you another box of snacks. 
Who doesn't yeah, like well, that? Maybe that's, that's, the, that's the challenge on the weight loss side. <laughs> <laughs> well, but they, they, they're kind of small snacks. They're a little bit healthy for you. And, uh, I and I do, I, I do log them, Robbie. You'd be, you'll be, you'll be happy to know that, uh, okay. I, I, I use my fitness pal membership, uh, on my app to log my, uh, my food and, and all those grazes, grazes are, are right there. Um, with those, with those seven categories, how does that, you know, how does that help somebody who's thinking about creating a membership or they're looking to improve the performance? What 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 do you learn there by by looking through those categories? Well, so what what I hope it does for people is it gives them a an idea of how big this trend is and mm. shows them some different tactics um, that other organizations are doing. So so for example, if you want to understand some of the long term challenges that face a membership organization, look at the ones that have been in business a long time. So those. Um, you know, the big traditional companies like the Weight Watchers and, and T-Mobiles and, and um, uh, American Express um, look at um, big professional associations and um, nonprofits like ARP and um, the AICPA and Sierra Club because they are dealing with the fact that they have this mature market. Um, if you're trying to figure out what's the cool, you know, what are the cool technology companies doing, you can look at those digital natives. Um, and if you think, but I'm just small, I can't do all these things, you know, it can be inspiring to see these what these very small businesses are doing. So that's really the goal of of mapping out what's happening across different different uh, different industries and, and and product categories is to to share learnings and um, and hopefully cross pollinate. Yeah, it's pretty neat because uh, and, and and being able to borrow from one to the other because I, I can tell you within loyalty programs. They think they've invented this whole like membership thing, and uh, they're in their own little clique, and and they think that they're you know they don't think that they're at all related to like online communities, for instance. And um, and and I thought that you breaking down those walls within within this little from the outside, it probably looks totally ridiculous. But if you go to the whole. You, you go within these little clicks. They they think that they're the they think they invented this stuff. Um, it's uh, so uh, Peninsula Strategies. What type of uh, clients are are you are you are you looking for, and uh, how do you help the the folks that you serve? Well, um, I've been you know I, I like to say I'm a consultant that happens to have written a book. Um, I've been working with with a broad range of. Um, of membership entrepreneurs for the last 15 years, um, ranging from you know solopreneurs uh, who are who are building their their business model, um, where I work more like a coach um, or an advisor, um, up to you know companies that are moving into SaaS space that are creating their own software app um, or building their own associations, much like you did, um, you know, with with your association, you know, who are trying to build out a community of of like-minded professionals. Um, and I help them with everything from how to put together the financial model to um, how to think about acquisition to how to optimize for retention to building the culture. Um, you know, as you know, because you read the book, I, I have a seven-step process. So I, I work with different clients on different steps um, toward optimizing their their model for, for revenue and profitability. Well, I think everybody, all of us like revenue and profitability. And, yeah, um, me too. So, 
So everybody needs to get the uh, the membership economy. And if um, and if there is a if if, if there if there's an interest if they that using working with Peninsula Strategies, is there a website or a Twitter that they should uh, reach out to you on? Yeah, of course. Um, the website is uh, membershipeconomy.com, and mm-hmm. um, Twitter is Robbie Bax, R-O-B-B-I-E-B-A-X. Um, and, uh, you know, I welcome the, the outreach. They can call me. They can send me an email. They can tweet to me. Um, you know, there's a membership economy, so we got to help each other, right? <laughs> That's absolutely right. And so, uh, so give Robbie a shout out and uh, on Twitter. And certainly, if you uh, if, if 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 you're looking, if you got a a SaaS a soft, software as a service, a little software program or a large software program that you're trying to grow out as part of your business, or um, you're looking to really grow your membership and integrate it with. Some of the uh, the latest and greatest. We didn't get to talk about your your Netflix experience, uh, but uh, that of course is a pretty you know it's the first story in your book, of course. And I could imagine I understand why it's got to be if it's not the largest membership, uh, it's it's got to be one of the one of the most large one of the largest. And uh, but you know how to use the types of benefits and the types of culture that these companies are using, some of the largest in the world. Uh, within your own, then certainly recommend that you reach out to Robbie and Peninsula Strategies. And I absolutely recommend the, the book, the, the Membership Economy. It's a great read. And really, I think that going through, you know, you talk about the culture, which is something that I haven't seen anywhere else. Uh, the the structure of the of the membership, the the, the marketing funnel, onboarding, retention. A lot of neat insights from some of the largest company membership companies in the in the world here. And uh, Robbie, I just want to thank you so much for for being my guest today. Uh, it's a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Robert. All right. Till next time. Thanks a lot for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.